so grateful to be back among the Lord's people. I'm so thankful for what the Lord has taught me in the last approximately four months. The persistence of the Lord's people in prayer. I'm so grateful. I brought plenty of napkins up here, so I know I'm not embarrassed to cry, so I'm thankful for the Lord. You know, in Scripture in Revelations 12:11, it says, "They overcame him." They're talking about Satan by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their life unto death. Our testimony is to demonstrate in our weakness God's strength, so that He gets the glory and the honor. And it's. What overcomes the world is what the Lord demonstrates in the life through the church, through His people. And I remember to give you a little bit of a background. Some may know me, some may know me that that much, and so forth. Uh, years ago, uh, I was going to college, and I, I came out of college, and I was minding my own business when somebody came up and shared the gospel with me. <clears throat> and I always, I was quite um, I would say my mother probably worried about me more than all her children because of a temper that I had that was uh, very uh, fly off at the handle at many things um, I would I played football at the time University of Florida uh, but I had a tremendously uh, angry uh, disposition at times very nice at times, before a lot of people, but I had a very difficult disposition controlling my anger. And I remember times I put my hand through a door, my fist, uh, being upset over some minor thing. Uh, my mom got a new icebox, and I, within the first week, almost ruined the door on the icebox. And that made me feel a little bit bad, but, you know, I got my anger problems, so forth. And so, other than that, I didn't think I was so bad. But the Lord began, through prayers of others, to reach my heart. And my brother had become a Christian. He was in law school in Texas, actually Houston, where I've been the last four months. Uh, and he began to quite kind of preach at me. And uh, I was, oh no, here's a fanatic. Unbelievable. And so I would react to him. And I was wondering, why am I reacting such a way to my brother? And, I, you know, of course, we know it's sin within us. It's our selfish behavior that's within us that reacts. We still have it, even as Christians, we have that sin nature. Well, anyhow, my brother one night uh, confronted me in a, where I couldn't run anywhere. And he was very persistent. And I'm thankful for it. Of course, in his kind of awkward way, he's a little bit more forceful than most people, being uh, trained for law school and so forth. And uh, I got very upset with him, and I was going to go get a Bible and prove that he's wrong. So I remember sneaking into the Bible bookstore in the back door. They didn't want anybody to see me. I walked in. I'm looking for a Bible, 
It's something I could read. And, and I asked the gentleman in there, said, listen, I, I got, I'm looking for a Bible for a friend of mine. Do you have one in there? It's easy to read. He said, sure. He says, would you like to put your name in the front? No, it's for a friend of mine. It's not for me. And he smiled. He knew better. But, you know, I couldn't cover it over. So I got the Bible. I took it home. And I started to read through it. And uh, especially the Old Testament. I'd put it down. Whew, man, Lord's wrath. And I began to be convicted of my sin and my sin nature. And uh, you, you go back and you start wondering, oh boy, uh, something's going to fall on me or something's going to happen to me. I was waiting for God's wrath to come out of heaven to strike me dead. And I would be shaking. It went on for about two years that way. And finally, I was in a meeting and they explained I was so much under conviction of my sinful self. In a meeting, there was an invitation and I jumped out of my seat I raised my hand and whatever it was that I received Christ as my Savior. And it was a joy in my heart. And I went on. And it was was like a honeymoon period for a while. Everything was so... And then Scripture was opening up to me and I was reading, oh, wow. And you think, and you keep going, and after a while, the honeymoon begins to fade a little bit. And you realize, I still... We still have a nature within us, a sin nature. And you start reacting and start doing things, and you go, oh, what did I lose my salvation? No. God has designed. That's the beginning when you come to the Lord. That's the beginning. And then the Lord works on you. And He takes your life. And we all have a cross to bear, each one of us. But it's a gift. The cross we bear is a gift. Each one is different. Some are one way, some are the other. God gives us a cross to slay the selfish sin nature within us. We have the Spirit of God. When we become a believer, the Spirit of God dwells within us. It's a, the Scripture says it. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He dwells within our heart. And yet we still have a carnal nature within us. And it's a battle in our soul. Our spirit is saved and sanctified. The battle now is in our soul. It goes back and forth. And God carefully designs things to happen in our life for a specific purpose. Each one of us as individuals, every one of us, God designs specifically that particular thing we need. It could be different. One person is different than another. And we see that with John and Peter. John says, well, our Lord said at the end there in, in, in uh, the Gospel of John, if I would have him to stay here, then what's that to you? And Peter, and of course, there was a rumor spread that John wouldn't see death till the Lord came back. But he says, listen, you take, you're going to suffer. John may not suffer the same way you do. Everybody has a different type of cross. And they're designed specifically for you in mind. We take up our cross, not the Lord's our cross. And yet God is designed specifically to slay the selfish person within us. We don't like it. The sinful flesh cannot stand it. And even as Pharaoh is a picture of the flesh, when the children of Israel were to leave, Pharaoh, where do you think you're going? Our flesh, where do you think you're doing? I'm the one in control here. 
And Moses, of course, they relied on the Lord to bring the pressure on the flesh. And of course, Pharaoh's magicians even matched for a while the miracles that Moses, the Lord did through Moses for a while. Our flesh can match things for a while and can stand up in its pride and match for a while certain things. But after a while, they couldn't do it. And they said, definitely this is the finger of God here. Our flesh cannot die to itself. God has to crucify it. It's not fun. But when you get to the other side, it's a relief. It's a joy. And as I walk with the Lord, all these things, then you murmur, and then you, then the old nature comes back, and all these things, you start to walk in that direction, and, and you go, Lord, what, what, what is wrong here? Why I'm supposed to have victory? I'm supposed to walk with you in victory. Why are these things happening? And the Lord allows certain things to come. Difficult situations in our life. We want to run from them. We want to go a different place. God is very clever. Our selfish nature finds little pockets within us to hide, to feel our comfort, little comfort zones here and there to hide in. But God is very good at finding those out and going right there to confront us in a certain situation. And we try to, we can't. Thank God we can't hide from the Lord. He designs, again, specific tools. It could be infirmities, as Paul said, um, necessities, persecutions, reproaches. Paul found out when he went through those, he found a power now. Because when the flesh yields its strength, the flesh is, flesh is crucified, all of a sudden we realize the power that God has put within our own heart that resurrection power of the Holy Spirit. We rely on His strength in our weak moments. And all of a sudden, He strengthens us. And it's been for a number of years that I've had cancer and some heart problems and a number of other surgeries here and there. And I guess 2003, I went in for my fifth hernia operation and they found that I had cancer. It spread from... Uh, all over my system, from around my heart, my stomach, all up my neck, uh, everywhere in my body. And uh, to be honest with you, I wasn't. Li- I, I had known the Lord, but I kind of strayed. I, I kind of just walked away, and I became more in the world of making money, building up riches, and things of that nature, which we know the Scripture says we can't serve God and mammon. Well, the Lord got my attention. A number of other things, too. I've become lazy in my word, reading the Word and staying in it on a daily basis. And so I went in. They immediately put me in the hospital. I went in for... <clears throat> they put a port in my chest down to my heart to pour all these chemo and all this stuff in there to rid me for cancer. First treatment, basically... I was rushed to the hospital. Uh, I reacted so strongly to it, they thought I was going to die. So I, I was laying there in an emergency room for maybe six hours. They finally shoveled me over into another room. And as I was there in the throes of death, 
where all I was weak and I was basically humbled before the Lord and I cried out with all my heart, Oh God, have mercy on me. And that night, it's like the Lord breathed new breath into my heart. The next day, the nurse walked in the room and he looked over there and said, Wow, you made it through the night? We didn't think you were going to make it through the night. And she quickly put her hand in her mouth. She slipped out of her mouth. And she said, wow, you look so much different. I said, well, the Lord raised me back up. Cried with my whole heart. Not half-hearted. Not one-quarter heart. My whole heart, I cried out to God. And God honored that. And through that time, through months of treatment and through radiation and chemo and other treatments back and forth I end up on the deathbed again and this time I said Lord you can take me leave me here whatever you'd like to do I was I didn't have any fear of going to meet the Lord I was at peace with him but the Lord raised back up again and I went the next year through treatments and then the next year another, another operation to remove lymph nodes and this and that. And through that time, the Lord showed me through all the weakness and the difficulties that I had to go through to Him to nail that selfish strength down where I had no strength within myself anymore. And the Lord's Spirit became real to me. The Holy Spirit became very real. That dwells within each one of us as Christians. We have quite great resources before the Lord. So we only rely on that. And then we went for, for a few years. Everything was fine. And then this last year, I began to feel weak again. And I basically wasn't working anymore. I was getting some income from some business being sold. And that stopped. I had no income. Uh, family problems, this and that, everything happened. Uh, and then, of course, being familiar with the drill, here we go again. <laughs> Say, Lord, you know, whatever. And we realize in Scripture there's three types of chastisement, and you can categorize each one. There's a chastisement, I mean, sicknesses. There's a sickness uh, chastisement uh, that uh, in the sickness. There's a chastisement unto death sickness unto death and there's a sickness unto the glory of God and each sickness God designed specifically he knows each one of us personally there's nothing he does not know about us there's nothing we can hide from him that he doesn't know about us in every which way he knows us better than we know ourselves and he has and he works with us to realize who we are by bringing these things into our life and as I went through this time, I did some research and I found a place that where I could go get treatments. I, didn't want, I wasn't going to go through the chemo again. And I realized the problem with that particular type of thing. Now, there's a lot of people there that are sincere and they know what they're doing and so forth, but they, 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 they're in a little box. They don't go outside the box. They basically kill the cancer but they kill everything else in your system, your immune system, your fast-growing cells. 
is where the chemo kills first. That's from your G-track, from your mouth down through your stomach. You lose your taste. Your hair is fast-growing cells. You lose your hair. Your white blood count, your white blood cells only last no longer than a day. So your white blood cells drop. So chemo kills everything. It kills the cancer, but it kills everything else in you too. Well, the chemo, it, 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 it works to a certain degree. And it will kill off, again, the cancer. But it's always there. There's the cause. It's always there. And we need to get to the root of it, just like sin is there. We need to get to the root of it. And so I wasn't going to go through that again because the, the more powerful drugs and more powerful this, I didn't, most, didn't make it the first time. So I said, well, found a place in Houston, but I couldn't get there. I didn't have the money. I didn't have anything. And trying to sell my business back, it kept being delayed and delayed and delayed. I said, oh, Lord, throw more water on it. Throw more water on it. And so before the closing, uh, I started getting more sick. I had tumors. Some, some were the size of grapefruits in my body. One under my arm. I couldn't hardly close my arm. My neck was swelled up with tumors and so forth here and there. And over the weekend, I started all of a sudden I started to feel very weak in the weekend around November 12th or 11th in that area. And uh, we were going to go over to the uh, rest home, and I just couldn't make it. And I laid there for a couple of days on the couch. I couldn't get up off the couch. I had the phone sitting next to me. And thankfully, I was there so ill, laying there, that I said, Lord, if you take me home now, I'll go home. But I asked the Lord if I could continue here. I have a small daughter. I have a number of things that the Lord, I believe, has me to do. We all should have something the Lord has us to do. Keep our mind on that. And so I pleaded with the Lord. And I was weak. I couldn't even get out off the couch. And the Lord prompted my neighbor, Brian, to call me. And I'm so thankful. I was like a, weak like a baby. I couldn't move. I couldn't do anything. And I'm laying there. I said, Lord, I leave it in your hands. I trust you, Lord. And just two seconds later, the phone rang. Brian called me. He was in Tennessee or somewhere up north. He said, Steve, he must have looked at me a few days earlier. Listen, can I call Ozzy to come take a look at you? And I said, well, that's fine. So Ozzy called me, and I said, yeah, come on over. And uh, when he got there, I said, I can't even get up to get to the front door. Come around the back. I have it unlocked. So he walked through the back, came in, put his thermometer in my mouth. And he said, well, this thing's not working. So he puts it down. He says, this thing's not working again. So he said, Steve, can I call the ambulance? I said, sure. And I'm halfway in and out. And uh, so, I mean, uh, the ambulance got there, and they took my temperature again. It was 105.8. It was 106. And I was sweating, and I was in and out, and I was kind of in the fog. And they took me to the hospital. Um, of course, I think I know every hospital I've been in in Broward County, Memorial, Pembroke. I think there's about five or six of them, Memorial. I think I visited each one of them sooner or later.
uh, over the last several years. But anyhow, uh, I was in the hospital. I was laying there, and uh, I was just coming in and out of it. There were all these IVs in my arm, and they were giving me this pill, antibiotic, and this pill. My platelet count was way down. My blood counts were, were way down. They wanted to give me an infusion. And then the doctors would come in and said, listen, you're either going to go to chemotherapy or you might as well go to hospice right now. And I said, well, I, there's another alternate uh, where to go. Oh, you, I want to go to Houston. There's a place out there that specializes in gene therapy, which I've been researching, and the Lord gave me a piece about it. And he says, you'll never make it there. You're going to die. And another doctor comes in, you're not going to make it. I'm not going to sign you out. They wouldn't sign me out of the hospital. The nurse wouldn't even bring me a wheelchair until the head nurse on the floor, who was a Christian lady, heard about it. She said, well, I'm going to bring him. He can go anywhere he wants. I'm going to take him in his wheelchair. If he wants to go through the whole hospital, I'll take him through the whole hospital. So I thank the Lord that he places those people in those paths. Brian, he prompted. And then we had an offer. I couldn't fly. I couldn't do anything. And they were going to take me to Houston. So I needed transportation. I had no transportation. My brother came down. He's another one who's got cancer. Um, it spread to his lungs. But he was in a bad car accident, and he's got all these things holding his back together. He can't get on the airplane because if he jumps, he gets paralyzed permanently. So he volunteered to drive me out. And we were trying to, we were praying, how are we going to get out there? I need to lay down. I can't sit up. And then uh, Bob volunteered. The Lord worked through each. I could watch the Lord work through each person as Bob volunteered his uh, uh, transportation to go out there. And, and uh, Dave Thompson would come out and pick it up. But all these things the Lord laid in hand one after the other as we, we watched him work a way to get out to Houston and uh, made it there. A bumpy ride through Louisiana, the streets, I-10. I was actually almost doing backflips on the bed <laughs> every time we hit a bump. <laughs> so, but uh, I'm sure when, when Dave drove it back, he slowed down through Louisiana. I guess the hurricane kind of messed the roads up. But it was fun for a while. But anyhow, we got there. They took me in. They, they won't take you if you're in a wheelchair. So I had to get up and walk in. And I'm walking. I'm barely walking up to the thing. I couldn't even hold a pen in my hand to sign my name. I just kind of put something there. And I don't know what they figured that it was, <laughs> some other language or something. I just kind of made a smudge on the thing. And they were looking at me like, mm, okay. Uh, so they took me, and they began to treat. And it's interesting, the thing, that how they have come about. They've gone outside the box. The scripture says the life of the flesh is in the blood. They studied the blood of how cancer patients and the healthy patients, what differs in it. They looked at certain things. They found certain peptides were in a healthy patient or were not in a cancer patient. And Dr. Brzezinski, who runs the Brzezinski Clinic, and I think Dr. Martin was here. I think they did some seminars together. Well, he it was the first Ph.D. when he was 21 for medicine and uh, biochemistry. He had both 
PhDs by the time he was 21, very uh, talented. And so he started to research, research back to the DNA. And the scripture is very clear, talks about how our members are written before we're even born. And I think in the Hebrew it talks about a ladder. So it's actually, the scripture actually shows the DNA ladder before they, quote, discovered it now. But the Lord was talking about through David in Psalm 139, 136, I think one of those two. And so they would study the DNA. And it's, this, it's the DNA that telegraphs to the cell what to do. And it's from there, this different stresses, the different environments we live, what we inherit from our parents. All these things, all, my, both parents had cancer, my brother has cancer, so there's an inherent thing too. I mean, we not only inherit the sin nature from Adam, it's also tweaked by our forefathers. We may have certain tendencies, others don't. But we go down through time, we are the beneficiaries of our forefathers in a sense, although we are still guilty of sin and we still have these things we have to deal with in our life. And so they began to look, and they look at the genes, which telegraph to the cells. And there's a genome that basically follows you around. It actually mimics everything you do. You can't hide from it, just like the Lord. It's in our system. If we eat a certain way, it becomes a habit. Okay, okay, you eat a certain way, we're going to develop ourselves a certain way. And it, everywhere you go, you can't hide from it. it you, you telegraph, and that conducts those specific genes that tell your cells how to grow, how not to grow. And we, each DNA has a message for each one of the cells to reproduce. We have cells, our healthy cells come and die and they're replaced by new cells. Cancer cells do not die. They keep growing and growing. You know, in biology class, mitosis, they keep going, spreading, they double and they double. So cancer cells is a, uh, is a cell that's malfunctioning. It's getting the wrong signal. Instead of hitting it with chemo, they take certain peptides and they treat you with those to tell the cells, the oncocells, to calm down and the good cells it's like a symphony. You have somebody's playing out of whack and somebody over here is not playing loud enough. The conductor conducts those cells. Everything is back in the harmony again. And that's the approach that they have to bring your cells back into line. And it doesn't telegraph to the cell wrong messages so that they become cancer cells. And very successful, probably the most successful treatment of brain cancer in the country. People come from all around the world, from Japan and Australia, they're there, and you get to meet a number of them. And so, but again, that's physical. You still have stresses and things you have to deal with. And they talk about that. And, they, and, and of course, we take our stresses to the Lord. And then we, we can change certain things the way our eating habits and so forth. We may eat the wrong foods but we still have certain things that we inherit, certain environment things that we can change and certain stresses. And if you look at everybody that has cancer, every book on cancer, when my mom had cancer, I think I read maybe 50 book, different books. I like to read a lot. So I'm looking through all these, and the three common denominators, stress, what we eat, having some type of physical exercise, or some because God gave his legs and arms to move around and really be, uh, be uh, 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 members of his uh, body to, to minister to other peoples and so forth. So he's given us three. But stresses are the things that we deal with. 
And the stresses, if we don't deal with them properly, can throw our system out of whack in a lot of ways. Yet God has all the answers in the Scripture of how to deal with stress. As Christians, He gives us His Word. And when we are serious with our walk with the Lord, and we become in the Scripture, in the Word, you know, and, and we know the Old Testament is given to us. We have two covenants. One's the Old Testament, one's the New Testament. And God's specifically designed both of them. And they let it without... When you look at one, it kind of gives you a little perspective on the other one. It's like having two eyes. You get to see the depth of something. The first covenant was given, and it actually reveals our selfish nature. You cannot keep God's commandment. We have a sin. It points it out to us, and it condemns us. There was one who kept all the commandments as our Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, and he fulfilled the first covenant. Gave him the opportunity to make the second covenant. That he told it that now it's a covenant by faith, not of works. We trust in the Lord. And he says he'll put his spirit within us. He write a new law and give us a new heart that follows him. And it's the God's Holy Spirit. He's the one that can f- fulfill the law, not us. We can't do it on our own strength. We can try and we can have all kinds of problems. But God, when we allow Him through His Holy Spirit to work His life, and it's through weakness and through all the difficulties that we face that God raises up and gives us the strength through the Holy Spirit to do what He's called us to do. And it's an ease about it. There's a nice, even flow when we, when we by faith, walk that way. And it's through tribulation that God slays the selfish person who tries in its own energy to fulfill the law. We cannot do it. We have to yield ourselves, be led of the Spirit, and we're not under the law. It's the Spirit that brings life. And He's promised that to us. It dwells within each one of us. It's learning how we allow it to work in our life. And as, as I look back, and I'm very thankful for each one here and their prayers, because if it wasn't for the prayers, you know, I may be up with the Lord looking down here today and in the back of the crowd looking and so forth. But I believe the Lord kept me here for a reason. Uh, there, you know, and, and there's still things that I, I know that the Lord has me to do. Each one of us has a specific purpose that God has kept you here for. Otherwise, why should we stay here? Might as well go be with the Lord. But one of the things I believe the Lord wants us to hear today, and those who have ears, let them hear, is that we try to avoid difficulties. We should welcome them as friends. Our flesh cannot stand difficulties. But God's designed them specifically to slay that selfish nature within us so that He can raise, that His resurrection power can raise us back up, that we can walk in the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit within us that the Lord Jesus Christ has promised in the Second Covenant to give to us. And now He's the one that carries out the task in our heart. It's not us. The Galatians were came to the Lord by faith, but they tried to justify themselves, tried to you know, work, work out in their own flesh. 
But God wants us to put away the carnal things and He'll design the pressures on us that we give in and yield ourselves to the Lord. Breaks us and we yield in this wide stream of God's Spirit within our heart. What a joy. And I remember out there in a room by myself, I just was operated on. I was laying there and I would give me shots in my stomach, which were a little painful. And I'm laying in bed and I'm looking and I'm running out of groceries. And I'm in a little room and it's got a little bed and it's got a little kitchenette and a little icebox and a little bathroom. And uh, so I stay there and then I go to the clinic for treatment. I was running out of groceries my clothes. I needed to wash them. I had bills back home to pay. And I'm laying there in bed. I said, well, you know what? I'm just going to stay here in bed. Let them find me here. I'm just overwhelmed. And then the Lord showed me trust in me. And I said, Lord, I trust in you with all my heart. And it's like a surge of energy, a peace and a joy filled my heart that I jumped out of bed. And all those things that seemed major, were very minor. It was the Holy Spirit that we trust in. God brings us low so that we can learn of the power that He has within it. Every one of us has that potential in our life. And yet, God has to slay. Every, every one of us has that cross to bear. And we try to get rid of it, but let it do its work in your life to bring, us, bring you to your end. Bring your flesh to the end of itself that we trust in God with our whole heart. And so I just wanted to mention, I know we're running a little over time here, but uh, I'm thankful again for your prayers. I'm only going to be here for a few more days. i got to go back to Houston for some more treatments, and then we go from there. So I should be here Sunday, I mean at least Sunday night. But thank you again for your prayers. Thank you for the fellowship and how God's worked through the lives of many of you here. Uh, and I'm, I'm listening to the prayers, and I'm saying, wow, what a joy. And I've had, I've had a chance to share with a number of people at the clinic, my brother too, who's been there. And with the administrators, we've sit for hours sharing about the Lord. And I remember one morning, the Lord prompted me to get to the clinic early, and I was there before everybody else to pray for the staff and to pray for the doctors and the nurses. And I was in the IV room uh, where you, hook, you get hooked up, and I've got a little port in my chest again. They hook this thing down into your heart and they pour this stuff in there. And there's all these little um, chairs that you sit in, nice comfortable chairs, and the nurses are running around sticking you up and they they give you these pre-meds to kind of make you la-la land before you the stuff hits you. And so I remember praying that morning. The Lord had me get there early. And I'm sitting there and all of a sudden there's not that many patients in the room. And one of the nurses began to ask some questions about my faith and this and that. So I began to share. All the nurses stopped what they were doing. They all sat down in the whole place, sat at the table. For a, for, for a half hour, I was able to share the gospel with the nurses. And they were so thankful. The Lord opens the doors in those situations. And many times over in Houston... It's like my brother said, well, the Lord brought us over here for ministry. So, <laughs> so, you know, our body belongs to the Lord. If He wants to do something with it, that's His prerogative. If He gets us sick for His glory, or He brings something about for His kingdom's sake, so be it. 
And so I look at the opportunities that we all have and the difficulties that we face. So anyhow, I'm going to ask Malcolm if we would close with a word of prayer and then.